there are degrees of warmth. And I think there's a nuance there that we would naturally do as human beings that we need to introduce into you know, complex systems, which is hard, but I think as a human psychological aim is an important one. I think you've just, that really interesting point. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening. Many Amazon sellers think business growth is the same as sales growth. But if you're smarter, you know e-commerce businesses are sold as a multiple of profits, not of sales. So if you want to build a sellable business, you need to grow profits. And to grow profits, you need to cut waste and increase profitable sales. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. Go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your free instant diagnosis. Hey folks, this is Michael Vesey from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 383. We are Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the e-commerce leader. Today we're in the middle of a two-parter mini-series on the secret to successful paid social media marketing. Having talked about the three goals that you can achieve with it, we've been diving into the detail of how to actually get it done. Lots of really cutting-edge stuff that we've bringing to the table here. Having talked about cold traffic or building awareness, we're now today talking about warm traffic and retargeting followers. Things you're going to learn today, one thing is the danger, the hidden danger in comprehensive retargeting or overdoing retargeting, a really low cost way of getting people into your funnels for under 15 cents, which is really cool. And Facebook live commerce events as well and what that is and how that's working really well for people. And then finally, what is the real takeaway from all this what is the one secret if you had to take it away that makes all this work so stay tuned and look forward to seeing you in the actual show so what about engaging with warm traffic i've already let the cat out of the bag a bit with some of the lookalike audience sort of idea tell me some of the ways you work with warm traffic here's a strategy for warm traffic that i'll give away as a free gift to you a free strategy that i wasn't a fan of conceptually, but Kyle, my business partner, explained it to several of our coaching clients. And wouldn't you know, they implemented this and it totally works. And I was like, dang it, man, I've been missing out on a really good 
two-step approach. And it's not rocket science, but here's the two-step approach as a Facebook strategy. And as context, let me just say this. In the olden days of Facebook, it used to be a big deal to have your fan page or your, your business page have a lot of followers or fans or likers because they saw your content when you shared it. Facebook changed that, what, six years ago or some crazy thing, like five, six years ago or something. And so it became a pay-to-play thing that you still had, your fans didn't see your content. And when that change occurred five, six years ago, I was like, I don't care about fans anymore. I'm not going to pay for fans. But what Kyle's trick is, find an effective liker campaign that gets, it's the cold traffic, it's the brand new people, or it's anybody, but you get them to like your page. And if you test a lot of images and a lot of copy, you can get that down to under 15 cents or 10 cents a liker. So you can add literally thousands and thousands of new likers for a budget of just hundreds of dollars. So really inexpensive. And then your subsequent Facebook marketing campaigns target your likers. So if you got people who like your page, that's an audience in Facebook that you can advertise to. And his technique is blow that up. And this sounds like it's obvious, but a lot of people are not doing this. It's a two-step thing. Find a really inexpensive liker campaign and build that liker audience and then target them. And that just one-two combo punch is working really effectively for some of our clients. And I hadn't been doing that. Could have been doing that for the last five, six years. And you'll look at some of our Facebook pages for our brands and there's 8,000 people or I think our biggest is like 35,000, but I haven't been trying to grow those. And he's shown me a reason why. And so it's converting people from cold traffic to warm traffic. And then once they're warm traffic, that's who you target for your advertising for all your subsequent work. And it's, I think it's a genius idea. That's so interesting. I mean, reference to the earlier thing we were saying about the Frank Kern paid advertising versus the SEO idea. In a way, it's an artificial distinction, right? Which you got caught up in, as we all do, which is like, oh, this doesn't work as a, an organic strategy anymore. Therefore, it's not a valid strategy, as opposed to just shifting the goalpost a bit and going, okay, they're making me pay to play. And the question isn't whether it's different and undesirable. Of course, you don't want to pay. Fair or not, yeah. But the question is, okay, is it going to make you return on investment? And, and so it's super smart. That makes a lot of sense. And the acid test is it's working, right? So that's what always matters. How interesting. Yeah, I will say this as well. It's also, I think when I reflect back on that journey of five, six years, I'm penalized for being a rebellious person. I When they made that change, I had a beef with them and said, I don't like this conceptually. And so I love them. And when you think about it, me snubbing Facebook is really not a winning approach. <laughs> so I just had a, an issue with it and it caused me to disengage. If I would have just said, okay, what are they doing? Why are they doing it? How can I take advantage of their new thing? Right when they did that, I would have probably stumbled right into this because it's not rocket science. It's an obvious response to how they've set things up. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? As you say, if you take a, a personal vendetta against Facebook, and listen, you're talking to an Amazon seller, anyone who's ever sold on Amazon has a massive beef with Amazon after 10 minutes, but that's irrelevant. They're not cuddly people who are there to help you. They're absolutely giant companies. 
under all sorts of pressures from, from Congress, from international tax law people, from who knows what, that they are going to do what's in their interest. But the point is, we need to do what's in our interest, which isn't necessarily snubbing giant corporations. Say like, I can imagine that Mark Zuckerberg doesn't feel very upset about your lack of business. I'm protesting with my ad budget. I'm withholding it. Yeah. <laughs> He's survived. He's survived. So that's really interesting. So what about other strategies for warm traffic? Because obviously it's all the rage. Everyone's talking about retargeting, other retargeting ideas or stories. Yeah, I'll give you one other story just as a cautionary tale, maybe. When retargeting really became a thing, you can do the Facebook pixel, or the Google pixel. You'll have companies that will approach you if you've got some scale and doing, and they'll offer to set up a comprehensive retargeting on your site. And this is a type of retargeting where Let's say for, for an example, if someone just visits a product page, then you can retarget them and they will see that product on the Google Display Network or in Facebook as an ad, that kind of thing. And there are lots of variables for that. I think like when we had it set up and we tested this for about a year, we had six variables. It was by categories, by product. It was like you can really thin slice how you retarget people. And we did that for a year. And it worked to some degree financially, but what we what we heard back from our customers was a little bit of outrage, a little bit of ickiness, a little bit of you guys like why it was it's too invasive of marketing. That's the two the bridge too far with retargeting. You can do retargeting too much and people will freak out. And all of the weirdness right now, socially at least related in our conversations in our household, are about being retargeted for audio when you make a comment publicly and your phone hears you do you then get an advertisement for whatever you were talking about so this retargeting remarketing stuff can be a bridge too far we ultimately shut it off and the only thing we do now systematically is when people have an abandoned product in their shopping cart we have an email that goes to them an abandoned checkout follow up sequence and that is not perceived as invasive and customers tend to pull the trigger on the sale, they, they, it works and it, it's not creepy to them. And so I think that's something to explore with your warm traffic is be careful. You don't want to be perceived as a creepy marketer. Yeah, so. I think you're absolutely right. There's very much a, a part of the times and one of Facebook's hugest problems that they've got to deal with as, as a company, which is that they've got an X marks a spot, that a bit of a target on their back with the congress when they get back to normal business when it's not election madness and covid and stuff i imagine that'll be one of the first orders of business whoever's in the white house i imagine as well but what interests me about that is again there's different degrees of warm right somebody's visited your site is vaguely aware of your existence but they've visited once and they bounce stuff to three seconds it's hugely different from somebody's bought stuff from you because they probably already feel some kind of engagement and there's no point in in following around the store, it's a bit like, I suppose, the, the physical an analogy would be like somebody, you've been to their store and you're like, hi, can I help you? These are really good this time of year. And after a while, you began, I'm just browsing, leave me alone. So yeah, there, there's a sort of human psychology nuance that you wouldn't do it physically. So you've got to look at what your systems are doing on your behalf and how it comes across. I love that idea. That's a funny metaphor. Can you imagine being in the mall and having somebody from another store come back to you? Were you looking at this when you were in our store? Get away from me.
<laughs> I know, I know, but that is exactly what we're doing. And the thing is, just because we've got used to things being creepy doesn't mean that psychologically we're not freaked out. So you, you, I think your your customer's response is, is, again, the acid test is what actually happens, not the theory. But it makes sense to me psychologically, I think. And I guess there's another level of bucket then that would bring me to, which ties in with our overall approach to paid media and a lot of things, which is awareness, warm, and then actual customers or direct sales. But there are degrees of warmth. And I think there's a nuance there that we would naturally do as human beings that we need to introduce into you know, complex systems, which is hard. But I think as a human, psychological aim is an important one. I think you've just that really interesting point. Just say for the warm traffic generally, the question is, what's your goal? And so the warm traffic, one of the big goals should just be to cross connect. If you if they visited your site once and you can pixel them and then advertise to them in Facebook, then the question is, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to make the sale? Go straight for the sale? Are you trying to just get them back on your website? How do you do that? So just getting them to cross-connect. So for example, here's a little a technique you could use. Somebody visits your website one time and you pixel them on Facebook. Set up a contest and give away an amazing prize and have an in- enter to win. And then advertise that to the people who have been to your website previously. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 383. And so you're giving them a chance to enter to win something that, that, you know, associated. And then your contest entry methods could be sign up for our newsletter, follow us on Pinterest, repin this pin on Pinterest, social actions. And that's not asking them to buy something. It's asking them to do something socially and it's sticking them into your connections. It's cross-connecting across multiple platforms. That should be a goal for your warm traffic so that they don't forget who you are after a month or two or three. It's three, three, six months, nine months, 12 months, they still remember who you were and why they were on your site. That should be a goal, a goal for the warm traffic. Yeah, this is great. And this is a much more sophisticated way of interacting. So I suppose it's a bit like gears, isn't it? If you go from first gear to everything, it's like, like okay, step one, get people aware. Step two, following them around the mall, <laughs> offering them a bunch of clothes they looked at once. There's option A, which is creepy, but a lot of people do that. A lot of people. I'm on a lot of internet marketers lists. And they're starting to invade my wife's Facebook feed now, which is hilarious. She said, who's this guy talking about Amazon? I'm like, I'm so sorry. That must be down to a sharing IP address. <laughs> and the people who sell Amazon training by the worst in the world for that. I have to say they're worse than anyone. But anyway, that aside, or you could get them engaged. You could say to somebody, look, I noticed you were interested in the Chinos. We've got the Chino Club of the Year award coming up, you know, some such thing. Would you like to be on our list and get 50% off the next pair of Chinos or whatever? There's a sort of levels of engagement. There's gear one, two, three, four, and then five is a repeat customer who likes you. So I really, really like that. And I know you guys have done a lot of this stuff and it's really effective. So contest is one of your meta strategies, isn't it, that you talk about in the, the nine traffic which we won't get into now, but we must dig into at some point. That's got to be one to tee up for the future. So look, we've talked about awareness. We've talked about engaging coldish, warmish audience, but eventually we've got to get some sales out of it. Otherwise the machine breaks down economically. So what's the strategy for help with the actual direct sales? You can do what we mentioned. Over time, you can target people who are clearly on your site frequently with the ads that are what they've looked at or what you know that they'll like, that will generally work. If you've got an audience that's big enough, you're going to make direct sales, of course. And so, so there's a, a time and place for that, for sure. 
There's another angle to direct selling that you can do effectively that I'm it's a sequence, a one, two, three type sequence that I'm seeing clients use and I'm using it myself as well. And it's in essence, basically social selling or live commerce, people are calling it. And this is cutting edge stuff. At least it's more current. And some of our listeners might have not heard those phrases before, live commerce or social selling. And I would just frame it this way and I'll explain it in a moment, but I'll just frame it this way. Um, if you've ever been exposed to information marketers, the Frank Kearns, as we mentioned, or people like that, they're really effective social sellers. They will do, when they're doing a closing cart for their event, they'll do a Facebook Live for three hours or whatever and just answer question after question. It's like webinar type marketing stuff. And so that's a very common path for information sellers. But the interesting thing that I'm seeing occur now in the industry is that widget sellers are taking effective advantage of live commerce. And so people who have just a consumer product are finding ways to do social selling live commerce. And it's really interesting. And when I've, I have a client who start, started doing this and was talking to me about it, and then he exposed me to other people who are doing it. And then I have another client who just recently joined us as a coaching client. And they said, here's one of the things we've done. And I was like, oh, this is connecting the dots for me. I'm seeing multiple people who are all doing the same idea. And when I started observing what they were doing, I'm now implementing it in myself, which I can share about. But what I saw them doing was it was really smart marketing. And it's basically this to just as in a nutshell, it is uh, hold an event. <laughs> That's a live video event. You can do this on Facebook live you can get more sophisticated and use some tools for streaming across other platforms, but you can just do a Facebook live and invite your audience to it and then release a new product or do a sale event where it's an exciting sale that you're long, you're, you've got some stuff you're discounting or something like that. You can do it new product or launch strategies, or you can do a discount. Hey, here's our big private sale we're doing. And those types of activities work. And when I've seen the people doing it, what it's reminded me of is QVC, which I don't know. Do you have QVC in the UK or the shopping channels? Yeah, we do. It's not something I've ever really watched, but I mean, I've, I know about QVC basically via Dragon's Den or what do you call it? Shark Tank, because uh, was it Lauren, whatever her name is, the lady from QVC on that. And also Rick Cesare, who, and Rick Cesare as well, it's another American. He's actually lives in Seattle as well, but I've interviewed him extensively and chatted to him. And he's, he was like one of the sort of founders of Direct Response TV. Interestingly enough, a very intellectual guy, a biologist by training. It's quite, quite a science to it actually rather than just the, an art to it this is that this is direct response tv ported into the social media platforms facebook youtube etc and and it works and people will engage with it and i started watching qvc after hearing my clients what they were doing and realized this is this is a huge opportunity for you got to have the right kind of personality. You've got to be willing to talk about your product publicly and not all marketers will do it. But that's why it's working so well is that it's rare. And people know you're on the hook to answer questions. It's a live thing. And it's really got some, I think, engagement power. Now, here's what I'm doing for my own work. If, just as a little technique I'll share. For our charity, we're doing, in essence, a version of this. And we're calling it So Powerful Live 
we've done three of them. And what here's the marketing work behind it. Set it up as an event and invite people to plan to attend the event in Facebook. So you've got a shot across the bow with an announced event. People know it's going to occur. And you can even promote that event and boost it, put money behind it. So the event itself gets publicized. And then the actual moment occurs where you're live and people are there in the moment with you. And the audience will vary. You have some audience of some size on your Facebook page. And we've, we're doing it so that it's live streamed both into YouTube and uh, Facebook, multiple Facebook pages. And you do your thing. And for our charity, we're talking about our purse program. It's a big engagement tool that we use. And we're showing photos from our work in Zambia. And we're encouraging people. And we, we do, we've got a whole kind of routine from a half hour to an hour show, basically. And then the show ends, the live component ends, and then you can put money behind it to boost it. And so that's a one, two, three type approach to this. And we should do a whole show on this, I think, because there's a lot of nuance and a lot of details and some tools and that you can use to really make this work as a selling device. But there's real power in this, oppor- you know, in this kind of approach for people to explore. This is really powerful stuff. I'm definitely, we should deep dive into the details of a lot of this stuff. I think we're teeing up just multiple Paul episodes, which is the great thing about it, a co-hosted podcast where you don't have to just keep chopping and changing, having hosted interview-based podcasts getting on for five years now. So yeah, th- this is one of the great things about it, I have to say. So hopefully that serves our listeners. But the other thing I'd like to say is to zoom out to big picture, two big picture lessons. One is what used to work um, generally will work again just because the mechanics of it are different. QVC was a huge success. Selling TV was a massive thing, particularly in the States. I think in the UK, it's also big, but I never tended to be watching it at 1am. So I don't really know from personal experience, but it's obviously very effective. So that was always an opportunity on any video-based platform where you can have an audience. The second thing is that... uh, so the first thing is taking old school marketing and reapplying it to the new context isn't actually necessarily that hard. The second part is requires a leap of imagination because as Frank Kern said, everyone does what everyone else does. For example, he said that his book funnel, everyone priced their book at $5.95 and he looked around and wondered why and what testing they'd done. Realized I hadn't done any testing. He just, they'd copied him because he was the first person to do it or something like that. Leaps of imagination are important. The second thing I would say is that people like to differentiate between business to business and business to consumer and sales of services versus products. And I think, although there are differences, I think that blinds us to the similarities. And I think the fact that information marketers have been using this kind of technique to sell stuff for two decades has blinded people who sell physical products to the fact that it works the same. So two very big picture ways of finding new strategies, if you like, is what used to work and what's working in a parallel industry, which I think this this really shows up. Well, look, those to think about. Let's uh, summarize these huge areas. So paid social media, what's the main summary? Is it just test, test, or is there more to it than that? I'm afraid it's that simple. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you just want to begin to test it out. I, if I were new to this, flashback 12 years or whatever it was to when I was new to this, I would choose one or two of these concepts that we've talked about, depending on where, where it's at in my business, and I would just dedicate a month or two months to trying it out and just try one strategy thoroughly, learn what you can from it and go from there. We've dropped a lot of ideas in this episode. I would just pick one or two, take a month, really learn to explore it and so that you get really comfortable with the idea of it and then evaluate whether it works for you. 
And after two months, you'll know, oh, this 60 second video idea totally works like gangbusters or, oh, this cheap liker campaign strategy totally works. I can get likers for six cents or whatever. And then you've got a new tool in your toolbox in terms of the paid social tactics that you can use to uh, scale your business. And that's what it's all about. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And that just a ton of great things you've gone over today. It's just really absolutely jam-packed with value, I think. I just want to mention one thing that we shouldn't gloss over is the Nine Mountains of Traffic book that you've got, ninemountains.com, having written lots and lots of different books like Pinterest Power, Instagram Power, and so forth, which in themselves are very powerful. I think it is great to get this overview and to be able to place things in context. So it enables you to make decisions from a rational point of view rather than the latest shiny object. So I just flagged that up. So it's ninemountains.com. People can get the book fairly inexpensively there as an ebook and uh, tons of value there. Yeah, an important thing to to uh, to get, I think, for anyone listening who's serious about this stuff. I think I copied Frank Kern's pricing. Maybe I didn't. But yeah, it's like it's four ninety nine, and it's a, it's a great little tool, I think, for people. And uh, yeah, so I'd encourage people to get it. This has been fantastic, as always. Wonderful conversation. Loved where we went with this one, and I think we. You're right. We do have a few open ideas here that we need to explore the live commerce or social selling selling for sure is something we should explore and go deeper into some of these moving forward. And if you like this stuff, then we'd love to have, of course, a review on Apple iTunes or whatever listener you like to use. Subscribe, of course, is helpful as well. Share this with your friends. If you've got a Facebook group of like-minded e-commerce sellers or something like that, give us a shout out. Let people know that we exist we're in the exposure cold traffic phase of our podcasting journey here after I think, what, 75 episodes or something like that. And so we'd love to have you engage with us and help us spread the word. It would be a tremendous help to us. And it's really an honor to, to serve you all through this medium. And we wish you, honestly wish you every success in scaling up your business. That's why we're doing this is because we like to teach. We like our own businesses. We like to scale our own business, but we also like to help people. And so we're really grateful for your support of the show. With that, thanks so much, Michael. We'll talk to you soon. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. We offer you free help on our websites, including PDFs, videos, and mini courses on topics like traffic, products, and sales channels. Some are for Amazon, most are for any sales channel. To get those and to stay up to date with our podcasts, go to www.theecommerceleader.com. Thanks for listening. If you would like resources and links and other help to do with today's episode, just go to amazingfba.com forward slash 383. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.